The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, everybody, welcome Don't to point the winemakers. <laughs> I'm John Myers. I'm sitting across from Bart Hansen and Sam Katuri and. In the line just, of fire. Just back from Hawaii with, <laughs> with oh, Nick that in that side so with some pineapple bubbly. Well, I'm going to have to try a little bit of this. So is this Thanks, all sir. pineapple? This is this is uh, pineapple juice. That's all they got. Grown on Maui. Grown on Maui. No, Ma- Maui has a winery, at least, at least one winery. It's, you know, it used to be called. But no grapes. No, 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 they no, got no. Great. Do they have? Yeah, I went there. Uh, uh, gosh, it's been what are they making? Years now. Um, well, so, so when Whoa, I was, I lived pineapple. there in uh, 1998 yeah, through 2001, and the winery at that time, I swear it was called Tedeschi. It was, um, yeah, and it Tedeschi. was because Emil Tedeschi had a partnership with the guy who owned the Ulapalakua Ranch up country there in Kula, and they planted. Like it was only. It was one grape at the time. I forget it was called Carmenere or if it was Carmené. It was like they had Carmenere there. It was they made their white, their red, and their sparkling all with one grape, and they found that this grape did best there. This is I do I do remember that it was one grape, and, and it was and yeah you're right. And, they had and, gone a, along a, a, a what is it latitude or longitude and found out somewhere in the world <laughs> where where this grape did well and it was similar to their conditions there and so they planted it all but now it's called Maui Wine Company right so Same they planted spot. they now they have Grenache they I think they're into Rhone varietals now so now they what? have Vignette Grenache Syrah now that's um, where we broadcast next right yeah, I think we need to yeah. do a remote yeah, here's okay. um, hello but then huh. they have their pineapple side which is what the the tourists love to come and drink is the pineapple <laughs> the white wine the still wine and then the uh, sparkling so this is a uh, I mean it tastes like pi- I pineapple um, if I, I was on a beach. In Maui, I I could probably get behind it for uh, half a glass or so, uh, on a you know <laughs> sort of partly cloudy uh, March day in Sonoma, uh, with you know a Just cold. Can't do it. Huh? Um, I'm not getting behind the pineapple sparkling uh, wine. Sorry about how you're feeling. It's man. all good. What can I do? I'm you know. You know what I think would be good team. for, though? You know those cocktails you make where you top off with uh, sparkling wine? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Be, uh, this like, would be uh, incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's a very well... Give me some orange juice. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what I was right? going to say. Yeah. It actually needs a little sweetness because it kind of ends kind of quick. Yeah, it's pretty... Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty tart. Well, I, uh, I mean, think about pineapple. Pineapple, yeah. Pineapple, pretty damn Sam, tart. drink your herbal tea. You'll get better. Don't I have some herbal tea. I, I mixed in some mate too, so I'd have a little pep. You know, excellent. <laughs> get up and going a little bit. Well, it's pretty hysterical because um, last time or the show before, I said, "God damn it, Sam! When the hell is it gonna rain again?" And you said March first. And what did it do? It started raining March first, <laughs> and. Hasn't I mean kind of off and on, but it hasn't really stopped. There's actually a little bit of a halo over your head right now. 
Well, we got a, a little bit. It's because I spent time in Look Utah. what happened in the mountains. <laughs> Eight feet in the mountains. That's that's the kind of stuff that we need. Yeah, but it, apparently it's, it's fairly low water content. It was cold. I mean, this, this storm that came through, these series of storms, cold storms. We had snow. You know, I posted some pictures on on Twitter of uh, you know the, the olds girls. It was either Maya or Skyla posted a picture of you know, basically, yeah. you know, an inch or two of snow on the top of Mount Vita, which is I saw 2, that. That feet. was amazing. Yeah. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. So that's low. That's low snow. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it was back in the <coughs> 90s that uh, late 90s that there was snow on top of Sonoma Mountain. I remember at yeah. Benziger we had that that snow and that's been it since then. So, yeah, you know, there's a few times in my life where I was able to. Make a snowball on my parents' house. Yeah. It's, a th- it's a thousand feet elevation. We, yeah. had, we had a video of Dude, Buck stay Benzer, out of actually. Chicago. <laughs> just <laughs> no, I'm just telling. Yeah, you. My no, wife we're... is in Chicago right now. <laughs> What's the weather like in Chicago right now? It's, it's not as bad as it was in Minneapolis where <laughs> she was the other <laughs> <Week> day. <before. laughs> uh, did she go to Hawaii with you? She did, and then she came back. Went straight to Minneapolis. We came back, uh, to work, huh? came back on Sunday. We took a red eye Saturday night. Came back Sunday morning. No sleep. And then um, she took off Monday, Monday or God, Tuesday. I can't, I cannot do red eyes at all. That's so. the first time that I have not slept in a night since I used to, well, since I was in my <laughs> she early party 20s. all night uh, <laughs> yeah. working in Hawaii. That was weird, man. I came home and just passed oh, out. It's a, it's 33 degrees in Chicago right now. It's not partly too bad. cloudy, it's too and bad. it's what? It's, it's going to be sixty-three today. It's sixty here. No, with the wind blowing, isn't it always windy? Isn't it the windy city? That's uh, that's yeah. That's the wind is blowing. There's about a a thirteen to fourteen mile an hour. Looks like uh, wind out of the the west, sort of northwest. And the wind, the, the windy city actually refers to the politicians, not uh, to not the, the wind, not to the wind. Oh. It actually, does so. I th- it was na- named that by some, yeah. somebody from. Uh, um. Joan just came here with and handed me some cough drops. Thank you, Joan. <laughs> I have some in my pocket. They're not working. Maybe I'll try this one. Oh well. So what's it look this like? You guys segment of the have, po- podcasters have, called brought to you by Ludens. Right. 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 <laughs> Searching for sponsors. Ludens and, <laughs> and Shen Blue. Anytime you want to drive. A mile up a one-lane road and back up several times when people are coming down. Almost go over the hill. John, those are the best places to visit. visit I remember Shen Blue. I remember being on Mallorca, a little island off of Spain, years ago. And one of my favorite places was a place that the, it was. You had to drive up the driveway backwards so that when you <laughs> took off, you could be facing the right way. And I had a great. I mean, those are the best stories, right? And it's better to <laughs> have to back. To the back up to the winery, right? And to back up out of the winery, right? right. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, frankly, Katuri Winery is kind of one of those wineries. My uncle's that's winery. That's true. That's true. Kind of want to back in there and well, and then you gotta out. make sure those dogs aren't gonna eat you alive. The dogs are the potholes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the motorcycles. <laughs> God, everything's completely out of control today. So how how is it looking in the uh, in the fields, man? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I Bart. I hope facetiously said that there was a halo over my head. Uh, this storm has, you know, slowed things down a little bit, gotten a chance to sort of t- catch our breath and and uh, get the pruning done before, you know, we end up with some real serious bud break. I know there's a little bit here and there, but, um, you know, a cold storm 
was just about what the doctor ordered. It would have been nice to have it two or three weeks earlier, but yeah. we'll take it when we can get it. Yeah, you know? I, I I haven't seen it myself, but someone said there's some uh, buds uh, bud breakup at Lassiter on the upper piece of property. Um, I was going to go up and look. Up, no, no, at the upper, oh, on upper, the higher, upper, po- upper, upper, on upper the, bench. Upper bench, yeah. Um, so uh, I'll have to go out and look at that. Um, but yeah, I would agree. I mean, this storm has really kind of slowed things down. A, a week and a half ago, I was out looking. We have a lot of aloe vera plants. Um, and, you know, they start to do their blooms, which I always think are kind of prehistoric. And yeah, they were they all They, they were all cool. pushing. Yeah. And um, they all stopped, just completely stopped. Um, so, and that's good because, you know, they're not as pretty when it's raining. Um, yeah, you know, but on the flip side, you look around the valley, like oak trees pretty much everywhere going off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ours, yeah. ours are blooming. I mean, all that's the, the all the, all the buckeye trees are, are, are out. Are out yeah. And, um, and when it rains, our tree turns green because of all the moss on the, mm, on yeah. the north side. It's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So... It's it's green out there right now. I mean, it, uh, except it for is. the places that still haven't grown back in the in the burn, everywhere else is pretty darn verdant. Yeah, and there's actually you can see some areas that were burned really bad. They're starting to show a little bit of green right now. Right. So we'll see if we keep the rain going. Yeah, keep sending. Yeah, keep, it's going to uh, supposedly next week some more rain. It said I'm, you know I mean apparently like now four, the winemaker's weather guy forty to six. <laughs> it's going to be cooler chance. on the coast and warmer inland, John. <laughs> It's like weather, the weather in San Diego. Down. It's going to be great. Now back to you, Bart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sunny and warm, and in the stock market, Brian. God, it's up. It's up. Donald Trump's in office. It's always right. up. It's always up. It's always it's great. Great. It's incredible. God. It's fantastic. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. That's what right? it is. So, Brian. Yes. Transition sir. question. Uh, hula Omao. Did you see when you were in Hawaii? Did did restaurants have these wines on their list? Or like they did they? Oh my gosh! What a transition! No, I'm s- I should almost do this. Um, these these were actually sold in the. I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you've been yeah, to Hawaii. Just, so just, the like ABC it. stores. Oh yeah, are probably the largest um, seller of the of Maui of Wine anything. Company wines. I think right. people want to take them home. But I, I I don't think as of yet I mean, they they sort of transitioned this vineyard over in two thousand. Uh, 2012, I think they replanted everything. So I don't think they're really taken okay. seriously yet. So probably not on the on the uh, restaurant wine list. But I can tell you, I did bring some of my own wine to Hawaii because the last time I was there, I paid, I think, $70 at a restaurant in Kapalua for a bottle of King Estate Pinot Gris. Right. <laughs> okay. And I said, that is never going to happen to me again. <laughs> so so I brought ma- a little wine. How many did you take? Uh, I just took some uh, Chambleau Rosé. I mean, that that was perfect nice. for... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, not a lot of, like, red wine drinking going on. No, it was all, you know, beach stuff. No, it's, it's beach hot. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's like... A lot of rum and tequila. I, uh, I just brought this out because it was <laughs> delivered yesterday. And it just showed up. Showed it up just, and you it, popped it? It showed up and all I right. popped it. For I, you, those of you listening at home, don't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. It was It was from... Benchmark. It was not, oh, okay, not, okay. not from France. Not shipped here. Okay. No, I still got the magnums sitting outside. Okay. You said give those six months. Yeah, for sure. And other than that, I, you know, I thought, what the hell? You know, I'm going to have dinner with Joan tonight. What I don't drink today, uh, we'll have tonight. All right. So, so that's, that's a, not a bad idea. Eloise. 
Yeah, it's it's something that Brian turned me on to it at the girl and the fig, and I. It's, it is the French version of Romeo and Juliet, and it's a pretty creepy story if you get into it. Uh, it was a young girl who was sort of being chased this is by the Eloise story by her uh, yeah. older teacher. Um, and it became a great love story. And there's a lot of letters going back and forth. And sounds very French. Sounds just very, like yeah, Layla. <laughs> right, <laughs> right now, him and Harvey Weinstein would be like sitting in the same cell together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Harvey Weinstein's in a cell. If he is, it's the right. cell of a, a self imposed Gulfstream Five. <laughs> right. uh, but Sam talking about wineless. <clears throat> what I noticed lately is a lot more Chenin Blanc. <laughs> Well, on we, the are, wine list. we are just transitioning like right. crazy. Oh That's why I thought it'd be fun to bring a little. Uh, I was actually at Bottle Barn yesterday and picked up a couple of Shannon Blocks and posted one last night. And Bart said, Are you going to bring a bottle? So I brought a couple. So um, you didn't drink it and brought it. What a guy. So, a couple from uh, South he, Africa. He and didn't drink. Wait, Bart he didn't brought drink a bottle all of, his. All of it. He, he drank oh, some. He no. didn't drink all of it. He, he saved some for us, not all of it. Yeah. But uh, I think that is one of the. I remember when. I think when we closed last year, we sort of looked at a story. I don't know if it was in um, Wine Enthusiast or something about what's going to be the new trends in 2018. I remember Sparkling was high on the list. Rosé, of course, was high on the list. Oh, and, um, funny, we've covered those. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. We're, we're trendy. We, we must right? be trending <laughs> somewhere. And uh, natural wine lists mm, were one of the things they lists. said was, was going to be a new trend. Um, here's my list. And, the <laughs> and then... Um, Spain and Italy, of course. I think everyone um, can always do more research in uh, Spain and Italy. I think you could spend a lifetime in Italy researching wines. But um, I had no idea that you could do the same in Spain. And the wine I've been drinking. Oh my the God, there's Grenache so much undiscovered Spain. wines it's in just Spain. Still, absolutely so cool yeah. and and not expensive at all. Right. You know, I mean, and, and now. We've talked about this before, whether or not, you know, even though they're using organic grapes, how are they making the wine? You know, are they making it in a natural style, et cetera? But, you know, both of these are, you know, seven bucks a bottle retail. And I'm telling you, they're sure as hell not bad for before dinner. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, I wouldn't do it with dinner. No, you, you don't want to ruin it like that. Well, they usually have cool labels, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all ah, marketing. That's right. Oh, a Chenin Blanc. Where'd that come from? Which one are, now, which one did you pour there? I just asked him for one. Of, it's, it's so, John, are, are you game. willing to try and experiment? Of course. So this is, this is something that I do with um, servers to sort of educate them about wine and food pairing. Wine? Wine and food pairing, and I think okay. it's the, the the most inexpensive, most eye-opening experiment that you can do when it comes to how how <laughs> he's trying to wash that pineapple well, taste out of your mouth. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> wash it, it out of my. <laughs> fortunately, the cough drops taking care of the pineapple on the mouth. Trying it. to deal with the pineapple. The in pineapple the glass. does not leave the glass. No, the pineapple it is, does uh, not does not. I know Bart, Bart Shannon Blanc has some real has. Added a little right. more tropical Super aromas. tropical today, Bart. <laughs> yeah, totally. Is it the weather? Um, <laughs> but, John, it's a, it's a simple experiment. What you do, okay. and I, I love um, doing this with uh, Sauvignon Blanc, and I love doing it, and Chenin Blanc's a, a good one to do it with, too, is to take a sip of the wine and then take a little piece of lemon and just either suck or lick the lemon wedge. And now... Oh, it's, uh, it tastes like orange. And now go back to the wine. Now, this is where you should have a little uh, 
aha moment. Now, does that wine taste the same uh -huh. or different? I want to try this. Yeah, I want to try Very this, different. Please. Yeah. However, I will say the one one thing is. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That lemon tasted like an orange. Interesting. Just exactly Let's try one more. You said one more. Sip the wine. So have you have a little wine first, right? And then try the lemon, and then go back to the wine. So what happens is the acidity Tea in first. the lemon changes your palate, so that when you go back to the wine, it sort of removes the acid out of the wine, and you pick up more of the secondary flavors and mouthfeel on the wine. Um, I had an aha moment. <laughs> they are good lemons. Aren't they good? They are yeah. good lemons, yeah. yeah. Meyer lemon. That's, that's why you get taste orange. Yeah. Is that it? Because I'm really getting that orange, and I wondered if it was the, the wine It, com might, it might have a little to do with uh, Bart's orange blossom uh, flavor on his <laughs> on his uh, Chenin Blanc from the Buddha's Dharma Vineyard in Mendocino, which is available on uh, his website currently. currently. I was going to say I'd like What's that, what, Wait, Bart, you make Chenin Blanc? <laughs> What's that website again, Bart? <laughs> www.danesellers.com. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't need the WWW As opposed to... Well, at least I didn't say... gone. At least I didn't say World Wide Web. This is a guy who prints out <laughs> tweets, you know. <laughs> just, just take it one step at a time. <laughs> God, can and someone you, pass me that Dane Sellers? That was done for your own, you know, self enjoyment. <laughs> by the way, that's all a, right. That's so, so thing. I want to thank um, a couple of our listeners for participating in um, uh, giving us feedback and ideas. Dan Bixby, who I believe is a friend of Sam's and a wine club member there, um, and then one a, of the original. Uh, one of the original. There you go. And then a gentleman by the name of David Hayes, D Hayes. Yeah, he's. Been, um, we've been talking back and forth. I sent him some info about um, lightning and how do you pronounce what they're doing in Texas? C L Batard. Yeah. Batard. Uh, uh, something like that. Let him know how to get in touch with him. And uh, so thank you for thank you for uh, giving us some feedback, man. We we really want to. I've also been told we should have um, t-shirts. T-shirts. Uh, t-shirts. <laughs> and and somebody said make them in, in triple X because they were they were a big guy and he he wanted a triple tie dyed. <laughs> Winemakers T-shirt. I think I know somebody. It's got to have, uh, but you got to have. I will podcast for cheese or something. Oh, on wait there. a minute. There's got to be a series I because only, yeah, there <clears throat> should be. I will only, but that one. But I want to see uh, hanging with integrity and dappled sunlight. Yes, yes, <laughs> should definitely be one. That of should be the right. first one, absolutely. Right. And uh, Ed can do these for us, so. I mean, we can we we can get them done. It's e it's easy. All right. Well, let's let's talk let's talk okay. these these Twitter Twitter comments because we got some good ones this week. Um, yeah. Go so ahead. so the question is is you know discussing uh, restaurant wine lists, and let's face it, restaurant wine lists. There's it it it's everyone's a little bit different. Um, I was saying earlier to you guys about how you know there are some restaurants where you can walk in, and you can basically if you if if you were familiar with distributors, you would say, oh, this <laughs> Young's Market obviously owns this you know uh, uh, wine list. You know sometimes they even print the print the wine list for the restaurants, right? Well, and 
and then and then there's a matter of you know how a restaurant approaches wine by the glass, and um, and and that pricing structure and um, you know it, it kind of says something to the wine, the restaurant's commitment um, to trying to educate people by how uh, unique their wine by the glass list might be. Or if it changes all the time, and or if it's not just you know large production Chardonnay, Cabernet, Merlot, Pinot um, wines. So I, I just want to kind of start that conversation, and we can look at some of their comments and try to bring them into it. But well, I think there's a couple different reasons for the example you gave, seeing a a list where you see all the wines from Youngs or Southern, and to me, it's either geographical where they're living in an area where they don't have a lot of exposure to smaller, um, you know, books from wine reps coming in. Right. Or it's laziness. Um, there you go. Laziness. Yeah, it's, it's one of the two. I mean, if you're living in wine country and your wine list looks like that, shame on you. Yeah, and I think even Dan even says that um, to a point is that he lives in Boise and there is a wine industry, the Snake River AVAs around there, and that, you know, they have good representation of those wines in, in his area. And so that's cool. Um, right. But yeah, you could see how um, if there was, again, it wasn't representative, it's got to be laziness. Because there's people that want to, there's people that want to taste those wines. Well, I mean, to me, it's like, and you showed us uh, before we got started an Instagram post from a, a, a a guy named well, his Instagram handle is Natural Wine, spelled W H I N E, and the way it, the Instagram post was, it was three equivocations. One is uh, that's probably not the right word, but one is if it's if you call it if you call yourself the wine buyer, you have a wine list. If you call yourself a wine director, you have a wine program, and if you call yourself a psalm. It's your list. And and so I think that, <laughs> well, it, it's funny, and, you know, he likes to dig at the, the psalm culture like and, and the whole deal. Um, I, I think kind of the point is um, the intent of the list and the intent of the restaurant. If it's, you know, if you're trying to, and I don't even want to say make a statement, but you're trying to have a wine list that um stands up for itself and stands up to a, a great menu then you have to you know be more creative you have to um dig in a little bit you have to challenge people um you know with some of the wines that you put on there and at the same time you still have to have the mainstays uh, somebody else when i posted this on twitter on twitter uh local guy another club member uh chris yarion um pointed to the harvest moon um, cafe's wine list is one in Sonoma that he likes, and you know it's it's a short list. It doesn't have any particular, um, you know, sort of directive in the way like the girl in the fig does, where it's not only Rhones. And they manage to you know represent a whole bunch of different countries, a whole bunch of different styles of wine, and and that takes a lot of work to you know in, yeah, in forty yeah. or fifty wines because yeah. hit all the things right. And and you know and if you think about it. I, <laughs> As when I'm out trying to sell wine and you look at where you're going to try to pitch wine and, you know, you see an Italian restaurant and you think, oh, my wines would be perfect in an Italian restaurant. But a lot of Italian restaurants you go to, guess what? It's all Italian wines and then a smattering of California wines. Right. And they're typically not looking for, um, you know, things that people haven't heard of. 
You know, I mean, you have a restaurant like A16 in San Francisco and it's unbelievable Italian um, list and a smattering of unbelievable um, uh, California wines, you know. But again, they were handpicked from a psalm and she knows what she's looking for. Um, when you also have to think about like, and this is a question kind of with you in mind, Brian, is the budget of a place like that. Absolutely. You know, when you're putting a, a wine list together, one of the greatest sort of uh, uh, obstacles would be, you know, the budget. You know, imagine that at the even at a place like The Girl and the Fig, you probably saw a few wines a month that you would have loved to bring in there, but it just didn't fit the, the economics, right? Well, Sam, I go to a place every Saturday night with Joan, and I always take a bottle of wine. Right. Why? Because they have really a crappy wine list. And Don't say the name of the place, John. I wasn't going to, <laughs> although I, I could. TGI Fridays is fine. They're not gonna, yeah. Their business isn't going to suffer. <laughs> uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. The, the point is... Hunting for sponsors here. I, uh, I really do. I mean, I have to take it in. And they're charging me as a local. Wings which, and Zin. Wings, Sorry, wings and Zin. That good. might not be too bad. That's a good Yeah, style. I mean, you know, it, it, it's... It's hard. I mean, Ditto. listen, restaurants, re restaurants, they need people to buy wine um, from their list. I mean, that's it's a profitability for them. And, you know, we don't ever take wine in and unless it's something special. And if we do, we always buy a bottle of wine also. Um, but I'm in the industry and, you know, that's just part of what we do. Um, but I understand them charging you, even though you're a local, John. I mean, it's um, it's part of their business, you know. I pay it. Yeah, well, you know, it's I, probably it's the it's how much is it? Fifteen bucks. Yeah, I, I, mean, I haven't. You're, you're gonna I, you're gonna pay forty dollars for a bottle of wine. Yeah, minimum. we're twenty five at Sonoma Mission Inn. That's 25. still relatively really, inexpensive. Yeah. At a fancy restaurant like that, absolutely. Yeah. I want to let you do it at all. Apart, I, I, I like want to know right, where man. you got this whole. Um, to say that the uh, wine industry has changed in the past 30 years of your career would be an understatement. This is a great article that can be discussed over great bottles of handcrafted wines with your friends. The article is, Rich People Are Ruining Wine. Well, <laughs> uh, now, I'm, I guess we're going to segue. That one, got a little, that one got a little traction yesterday. Huh? Wow, did it ever. And I yeah. finally got to read it today. The article itself is... I mean, there's some holes. I, there's sure. absolutely holes. And listen, I, I it's I, a hot take. Yeah, it, I, it, it's, it's, <sighs> it's basically um, sensationalism journalism, right? They're, you know, looking for a reason to get people. Um, but you know, it's I mean, it has changed. If you think and it's about, it's not just wine. It's said Napa. It's specifically rich people are ruining Napa. Right. Napa. Well, right. but that's the new book that that guy's got. Well, out. and what he's saying that's what there, he's doing selling books. right? Yeah. Exactly. And what what he's saying is that it, the carving up of Napa into these small little properties. And, you know, this article mentions the fact that there was a lot of acreage that would be of natural oak forest land that would be torn out for vines. And, you know, you got to think about that um, as a, uh, a grower. And, um, but, you know, we buy grapes and we, um, we grow grapes for people that are incredibly wealthy and right. um, and they make our economy survive and thrive. And it's here. Not also like not like it's necessarily a new thing, right? Well, no, that's exactly yeah, right. I, I, I mean, in the name that I just read about, but it was somebody who you know they've been growing grapes in making wine since the seventies, 
but they were hella rich and they came in and right. they bought it in the 70s. I and, mean, and, yeah, it's not it, like it's a new phenomenon. Right. And if you look at the wineries, I mean, for, for what I call the the modern era of Sonoma Valley when the Lee family came in and bought Kenwood, right? right. They were a bunch of kids from San Francisco whose father, you know, helped them, you know, they got a partnership together and saved their money and they bought a small <laughs> winery. But they certainly weren't local Sonoma. Kids grew up in Sonoma, right? They they were they came with some power behind them. Same thing with the the people that started Chateau Saint Jean and stuff. And and those were all I mean, the Benzigers, right? You know? The Benzigers. All, they were all friends new. at the same time. Started all those. Well, no, they they all met each other during the time. But the the I guess my point is is that that was at the first shift of um, the wine country changing, right? right. And then through the uh, the '90s and the 2000s, it's changed. It started changing more, and now we have you know big money coming for the past 10 years, 15 years, big money coming from outside the wine business. Um, and yeah, it's cool to have your vineyard, so and your and your winery with your label on it. I mean, it there's is nothing it wrong is with cool. it. No, but I, I just thought the article, you know, would but I, I like I the mean, conversation. The, the interesting thing about that article. Is it comes, uh, you know, what a week or two after Esther Mobley wrote an article in the Chronicle, right. San Francisco Chronicle, about Napa running out of space for vineyards, right? And with the regulations they have in Napa about where you can plant a vineyard and where you can't, you know, the land that qualifies is in short supply, you know, and that's why a the, the price, you know, one of the reasons that a price of a bottle of Napa wine is what it is, is because. The the value of that value land, of the they're land. not making yeah. any more of it. It's, it's a you know, it's a, a limited de- supply, and the demand is there. So those wines are gonna, you know, they're gonna keep putting prices on them, and as long as people keep buying them, those prices are gonna keep being there, and they're gonna keep going up. Um, I mean, it's know. like Roman and Conti. I mean, how there there's no more land. Right, they're not making any more of it. So you're just gonna have to pay more. In fact, usually they're making less and less of it. Yeah, yeah, you pay more. But I, I see the opposite is true as well, though. I think in the last 10, 15 years, especially with uh, crush pad facilities becoming available for smaller winemakers that you see young guys or, or guys that have normal day-to-day jobs that get to make their own wine that aren't loaded. They don't have the money to buy property and buy winery and buy equipment and all that stuff. So you, I kind of see the, the other side of, all these cool little producers. Sure, and and absolutely, and Brian, like they're that. not making Napa caps. But they're not, and and if they are, they're like putting every last dime into making a Napa cab so they can put a name on it to draw some attention to themselves. Yeah, and um, and they're not also not charging out of the book, charging two hundred dollars a bottle for it, or four hundred dollars a bottle for it. Right. You know, um, there, there's a there's a price structure in that, and you know what is the land worth and um, uh, how much you're paying your consulting winemaker, and uh, if you're not making the wine yourself, how much you're paying to have the wine made, um, and the farming, the farming, the farming, the farming. So, um, but I think the, that that situation will take up. care of itself. I mean, people will fall out of love with Napa Cab. I think China, when we were at Opus, I don't know, six months ago, they they actually said we don't we don't have to release any of our wine in the United States. We could sell one hundred and 10% of it probably more yeah. to China yeah. and never have to sell a bottle in, in the US. Um, Isn't that interesting though? The, we we see China as sort of a backwards country. Certainly most of the media 
They, they drive like Audis and drink Cabernet. And that's right. I mean, that's, that's right. And that's the, rich, the rich ones do. That's for yeah. damn sure. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's strange that it goes like that. Yeah, well, and if they can get the money, good for them. I, I mean, I, that's <laughs> one of the reasons I don't drink more Napa Cab is because I can't afford to pay that kind of money. If someone wants to bring me a bottle, but right now I'd actually prefer a little Moon Mountain Cab and drink something Sonoma, get a, I think a... And uh, pay almost as much. Pay almost as much, but get <laughs> get that quality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what'd you just pour there, sir? Um, you know, I'll let Brian talk about this wine a little bit. A 2011 Agartha. And this is made by... So it's made uh, by Pac Small. Yeah. Who I think started in 2000, um, him and his wife making wines, and then started Win Gap. And this is a project that I think he's been working on since 2010, which is, and it's, it's aged for 45 months in oak. And that's not um, by mistake. It was, a, it was a project that he wanted to start where he did long-term aging on uh, Syrah. So I, I, ha- I haven't even gotten a chance to try it. I, I got an email blast about it a couple weeks ago. And, oh, we uh, should talk more about Syrah. So he... Um, you know, Pax is a, a big proponent of Syrah. Um, you know, Sonoma Coast, he likes the true clu- cool climate Syrah. Um, a lot of the wines that he's made, at least that I've seen, are on Ooh. the lower alcohol side. This is not one of those. This is at 14.7. Labeled 14.7. Um, yeah. Labeled 14.7. Um, uh, funny comment about uh, 99% Syrah, 1% Grenache. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I mean... That's what a, um, what a waste of Grenache. Well, I mean, yeah. well, there, he obviously put it on there for a reason, uh, you know, because you don't have to label it that way. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, he I, had to have a re- I mean, I'd love to. Maybe he'll come on the podcast someday and we can ask him about Ooh, that. Foreshadowing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it is a weird thing to put 99% Syrah and 1% Grenache. There's no way that there was a difference between 100% Syrah and 99%. Can you taste that? At all? Could anyone I, uh, taste it? The only way you could pick it out is if you had... I mean, it, it would only be possible to think about it as if you were able to do, like, during the the blending trials and say, here's the 100%, here's the 99, here's the 97, here's the 95, decide which one tastes the best. There might be differences. There right. might have been differences, but... Super and, sensitive palate. Right. Well, then yeah. it would be also interesting to do that in... I forget what they call this test where you have three three wines that are the same and only one is different and see if you can right, pick it out. Pick, <laughs> pick, pick them all out. That's really interesting. So I, I couldn't. No. You convince yourself. I mean, that is, it's not even about what, what your palate is. It's about whether you can trust your brain because you convince yourself you have four glasses and five glasses in front of you that there's five different wines. So you, you start to, your brain plays tricks on you, which is what makes that difficult. I mean, that's what makes blind tasting in general a challenge. Yeah, yeah you start I mean, to isolate flavors. and Yeah, you know. I mean, you know, I always try to go with um, the thought that your initial reaction is usually your best. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why we like drinking wine in the morning, too. Better palate. Um, well, it was noon this time. Right. At least not 11 o'clock. <laughs> it, was, it was noon straight up before, before we started. Right. So well, and uh, I've gotten packs the the Chenin Blanc before at Bottle Barn, and they source out of the same vineyard that that Bart does. The uh, he's the reason why we were all able to buy some, because he right. was the he packed uh, it. He he found it. It was 
the the vineyard was being used for distillate before. Huh. Wait, uh, for what? For distillate? <coughs> for what making brandy? Grape alcohol. Grape alcohol. Yeah. For, for and what varietals was it? It was Chenin Blanc. Um, well, there's Chenin Blanc. I don't know. It's a pretty big ranch, um, and they grow uh, they grow some other stuff there. There's some old vine Mouvedre, and there's um, I think there's some Gamay on the property, and all sorts of stuff. So I have and to reach out for those. No, it's um, Ukiah. Ukiah. Yeah. Interesting. Right uh, along the. Um, so he discovered that there was Chenin Blanc out there. Yeah, I think he had been looking. I mean, he buys a lot of Mendocino County fruit. A lot of Alder and, Springs. Um, yeah, fruit. yeah, and and a lot of that Talmadge um, area. And um, so, you know, I think when you spend time, you... Right. I mean, I've always known that there was Chenin there, but like I said, it was never... You have to go knock on doors. Right. Well, and we can invite him on right now and just say, hey... Will you please come on and talk about your Syrah and what you're doing with it? And I actually got a hold of him this morning. He's willing to come on. We just need to pick a date. <laughs> That's perfect. Absolutely. Well, so. I'd love to. Well, you know, today was going to be a short show, and um, we've had a couple long ones in the past. Bart is, uh, uh, Bart's okay and Brian's okay, but Sam is bad. So we're going to let Sam go. And uh, you have a good day, buddy. Thanks, and enjoy and get better. All right. Yeah. God. <laughs> and now, we'll now, now we're all sick for the next two weeks. Yeah. No. We'll, so, um, so we'll, we'll, I'll spray it. Don't worry. We'll cover the. Uh, we'll we'll get back into the restaurant uh, wineless conversation again for uh, you guys out there that were. Uh, well, you guys, you don't want to still talk about it? Oh yeah, yeah we can. Okay. I'm just like I say when I when I go I'm Hope you feel better. I know that the CSM um, peace brother uh, I know that this place we go does not have a good wine list and, I, and uh, so I know that hold, I, on, hold on stop so let's let's break that down okay so what because people probably want to know what does that mean to you that they don't have a good wine list so what what are your very what does a restaurant wine list have to have for you? Limited, to make it very limited um, uh, varietals and lower quality varietals. And meaning what? So how? So number one, how many bottles do you think they got on their list? No more than eight on their entire list. On their entire list, and I mean, it's. I mean, I think the thing to remember is it, it sounds to me like. John John looks at the restaurant and he would like to see a nicer wine list for the quality of food that he's enjoying at that restaurant. Okay, um, that's kind of what would, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And 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 obviously they don't have a wine director that's maybe um, that has the time to do it, or a wine buyer that has the time no, to do it. No, they don't. Or the focus. I mean, at one of um, one of the comments here from one of our listeners was that was pretty good. He goes, um, "Don't let your distributors write your list." Put some effort into it. I can tell then, uh, I can tell when I go to a place and when the distributor wrote the list. Such a missed opportunity. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening, and we're not going to name John's restaurant, but, you know, I mean, maybe they just don't have someone that's passionate enough about wine. No one's thinking about it. it. They're thinking about the food. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. And, you know, it's really good. So I don't, I, I, I don't mind taking but that, it. Uh, for me, living in wine country, any type of restaurant you have... For me, that's not an excuse that we're just thinking about the food. I can see, I can see regional. If you're living in an area of the country where you don't have access to the wine, I can see 
um, if you just don't give a shit. And then I can also see if you're a small business owner where you're so busy. And I was like that being it's the, the wine la- director. It's at the, the last the two. I mean, I when you're a floor manager and you're the wine director, sometimes it's a struggle to find time to try the wines because you're then that means you're not working on the schedule. You're not working on. I wouldn't your take a g- bottle into Harvest Moon. I wouldn't take. I did take a bottle once into Girl in the Fig, but it was for a very special right. occasion and, um, and a very special bottle. But um, no, it's where we go Saturday nights, and it just has a lousy wine list. I just called as it is. And, well, uh, so, I mean, to, to, to kind of talk about that, I, I guess it's, I guess. The message there is is that you that we wish that they had someone that was a little more, um, a little more in touch with uh, how important the wine list is to the restaurant. That's very right? yeah. I wish they you did. Know. So and 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 um, they're they're struggling too. You know, I mean, you can you can see when a restaurant is struggling. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and the anyway, um, they're the only ones that I take a a, a bottle to though. But I, also, it's like, where do you want to go Saturday night? Joan picks it. It's the same place, you know. I mean, <laughs> I don't get. We don't get out uh, too much now. I wouldn't. I also would not take a bottle to uh, the Fig Cafe. Um, I would. Really? Not, I would not. Ta- <laughs> I would not. Ta- <laughs> That's the only place I would take a bottle because everyone else does. It 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 is true. They they certainly do. I did. Um, did you just pour I did last Wine night? Wednesday last night? Yeah. And uh, it's amazing how many people bring not one bottle but two bottles. Oh man, they're d- they're double barreled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four people bring two bottles, and I, and and, and yeah. you know to go on to this, you know the Fig Cafe has a great little wine list. There's wines that are very good that are very affordable, and they come in and they've got you know um, large production winery. Sonoma County Chardonnay that they right. bought at the market for you know eleven dollars. Yeah, <laughs> if that. Yeah. Well, well, they're just trying to get a heat on. Well, it's some of them. Interesting. There's some. There's actually some really fun and interesting customers that come to the Fig Cafe that are really into wine that bring some interesting things. And anytime I worked there, I used to work kind of one night a week. I would work there, and and they were always willing to share stuff. And I found that true with most of the guests that would come there. They would even share table to table um, a lot of their wine. So it, it kind of became a community yeah. atmosphere there, which was really nice. Well, it's, the only know, one that also says no corkage for right. locals. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's a great program that they do, and Wednesdays are a lot of fun because people come in knowing that you're going to walk up to them and offer them wine. Yeah. Um, we had a great group. There were some people. My, my old boss from Kenwood, Marty Lee, was in there with his wife and got to see <laughs> Marty. And um, That must have been uh, fun. Some of the, the crew from the um, wine room at Lassiter were there and nice. um, some other just locals that I've met from doing that tasting. So. Right. Um, yeah, it was fun. It, we, miss, we miss Brian Casey, but um, uh, yeah, that used to be my one night a week. Was well, we used to do Thirsty Thursdays, right? Uh, but now I guess it's Wine Wednesdays. Uh, same thing, only different. Pre- pre- same thing, different day. <laughs> Obviously, freshen it up a little bit. Um, but John, the one thing I would say about restaurant wine lists, and I think Bart would agree, is what I look for is uh, thoughtfulness, and I think that's to me that's the most important of a important part of a restaurant wine list is it's where the, it shows that someone has put some thought into it. And for me, that can be my ultimate dream um, would be to 
to run a wine program where you had 12 bottles of wine on the list and they'd all be available by the glass. You'd have six white and six red and you could alternate them, you know, once a month, change them up. But where you have just com- completely different things from a, a Riesling, Chenin Blanc, Chard, Rosé, and then in the reds, you you know, you had a Pinot, you had a Cab, but then you would have like a Tempranillo or a Sangiovese or a Zin or a Grenache or a Syrah um, and ones that you just found interesting that month or when you tried them the week before or two weeks before and then and then as you're tasting things the next month you kind of change it up but so that it's i like i like wine lists that are completely manageable where you can talk intelligently about every single bottle of wine that is on the list where i work now we have 450 bottles of wine on the list i can't talk intelligently about every single bottle of wine that's on that list. I can talk about flavor profiles or pedigree or, you know, price points and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't there from the beginning. So I haven't tried all of those wines. Um, but I'd like when I think you should. Well, and, and, you know, and that, that brings another kind of interesting thing that I think about when, when I'm out trying to sell or even when I'm out eating is, you know, there are restaurants where, or wine bars, where they do, uh, they do you as a program. You know, yeah, we'll bring in your wine, um, and they'll run it for four weeks, and then that's out. It, it's out, and and you have to understand that, and and know that you're not there forever, um, uh, because that's part of their program is offering their new customers and their customers something new quite often and something right. fresh and that they can speak intelligently. It's like thought out and worked out. Yeah. Um, and then there's restaurants where the wine list is what it is and it doesn't change. Yeah. And if you've got a wine by the glass there, you're cemented in and it could be there for a year. That's just um, fine with me. I go to the depot, which is quite nice. I like the, I like the restaurant. Uh, and and the wine list has a Pinot um, from uh, Sojourn on it, and it's really quite that, nice. <laughs> what? That that wine must have been on there forever. I remember it's been it almost two been. years now that we've had right. lunch there and had that right. Pinot by the glass, and you love but that stuff. I can I can go there and I know what I can get, and I this other place, uh, I've tried virtually every wine on the list. And they were all disappointing. Well, I know that's one way to piss off John Myers if you own a restaurant here in Sonoma is when, when he finds right. a favorite wine that he right. likes by the glass. Get rid of it. If yeah. you take it off, you're going to hear about it. If, if not in person, you'll hear about it on the podcast. Right. Podcast, the radio. <laughs> I don't, you know, hey, it's Three okay. Three billboards on Sonoma Highway. <laughs> what happened to my McLaren Syrah? Where's my Mathis Grenache? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, drinking a, a Tusa. Uh, the uh, nice oh, from, McLaren, from yeah. McLaren, yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, that's good. I had one of those this week already. So yeah, Mark, our uh, psalm at um, at Sante just ran through all of Steve's new wines, and I think he was just bottling up his rosé. So uh, which is something to look forward to. Beautiful stuff. Um, and I just tried the Agartha um, Syrah. Yeah, Different. let's talk it's, about this wine. I think it's le- it's leaner than I expected it to be. Yeah, um, especially for. I'm thinking 45 months in oak that's just going to taste like a, a total stick of wood, right? Well, but oh, you, bomb, you, yeah. you didn't find out what sort of oak. I did not. Right? Or uh, was it big, large French? oak uprights? Um, you know, I mean, he's got all sorts of things to play with out there. Oh, so. from Wind Gap. Wind Gap is, I mean, the, 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 it, 
stuff that they do at Wind Gap is just completely experimental. So yeah, who knows? And 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 you know, th- this wine to me tastes like there was probably some stem inclusion and maybe some whole cluster. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know that. And I'm I just like kind of guessing. Um, because it's just not the over-the-top extracted Syrahs. Right. It's beautiful, and um, it's got uh, it's got the, those great cool climate, you know, white pepper, and um, and it's got some acid to it and some. Um, no, some this zing. is really good with food. And actually, the more I'm drinking, the more I'm liking it. Hey Bart, I have a question. <laughs> uh, what would be a state-of-the-art gravity-fed winery? Oh, it's just a fancy word for it's built into a hill. <laughs> and so it's built into the hill, and then it just all rolls downhill. Yeah, I mean, to... you know, John, it's one of these great things about the wine business. And, you know, there are certainly um, uh, state-of-the-art gravity-fed wineries out there. where Nicholson Ranch. Yeah, literally built into the hill, and yeah. they try not to use any pumps at all. And I mean, there's tons of them. Um uh, and then there's ones that are just, you know, they just minimalize how much they do. I, without being there, I couldn't really tell you. Right. Um, well, I uh, just was reading it on the back of the Chen Blue, and I, it's not something I'd really heard of before. I think yeah, it's, it's I, one I, of those I, things I, that if you have the opportunity to build the winery from scratch, and that, you ha- yeah, that you probably and, and it's one no of those budget. things. Right. Those yeah. are, it's one of those things that you look at doing. It's not something that when you take over an existing property, you go, okay, let's let's raise the crush pad up. Well, but there hear. have been people. I mean, there's um, <laughs> there's a, a number of wineries that have you know have elevators built into them and fermentation tanks at the top of the cave and lower caves to barrel down into. Oh, and, Opus, and, Opus does that actually. Yeah, I mean, I there, there's there's, there's many places kind of that do that. Um, I think it's uh, mainly relevant for um, white wine producers and for um, Pinot Noir. Um, maybe to some extent some Grenache, you know, as we're working with Grenache, you know, we find that we treat it more like a, uh, you know, Pinot like or a, a Pinot. white wine than right. anything. So so just not trying um, to rough it up? Yeah, yeah. Right. Trying to be gentle. You know, right. if you can ever use gravity and not put it through the head of a pump, um, I always believe that's better. Right. Well, that's um, part of the biodynamic thinking too i think using lunar cycles and gravity to actually yeah the that thought of um you would do your racking or your transferring right. on a new moon right because that's when there's the most most gravitational force so in case you didn't know we are uh, broadcasting from california right exactly <laughs> northern california yeah. well, sitting in a, a around with a I am group so of bl- redwood trees around us <laughs> i'm so happy that you printed all those comments out because we've been getting a lot of feedback lately yeah and you know what keep the feedback coming yeah, people. We, we love really it. we're asking for it. if nothing else it makes yeah. us feel good about ourselves right. um, <laughs> and, and and we just just hit 15,000 on our uh downloads which is absolutely fantastic nice i I just a couple more of these little notes real quick that dave hayes makes and i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna read his because i think he says them really well instead of me trying to put it into my words but um you know focusing on education of the staff um there's no quicker way uh for a wine program to fail is to have a great list and no one in the building know anything about the wines right um i think that's an interesting thought um, which is kind of know, it's part of educate my... your customers, which is something that you know you um, were so good at and and are still so good at. You know, well that's that's educating your staff. When you Correct. educate your staff, then they can educate the customers. Yeah, yeah. Well, he does it to me. 
you know, I mean, I've learned everything from him. And then, you know, this one, uh, finally, don't go crazy with a markup. Look for opportunities <laughs> to make a little extra margin. But today's quest is much better uh, educated about price. Um, oh, so if anyone wants to, more accessible, you know, if anyone wants to talk about that, let's break it down for people who aren't in the restaurant industry who want to know how restaurants figure out their prices of what they sell wine for. So I'd like someone to explain it to me. Yeah. So in general, when you buy a bottle of wine off of a restaurant wine list, you are paying 2.5. So two and a half times more than the restaurant bought it for. So this is basically, it's a basic model that was set up to figure out how, you know, all that money is divided amongst the dishwashers, the servers, the owners. So if they buy a bottle of wine for $10, then they've got to sell it for 25. Is that right? Makes sense, right? That would be right. Yeah. Yeah. And then your, so that's bottle. And then basically on your buy the glass sales, you oh want to hit a twenty-five percent wine cost, which that is means so profitable. Which means if you're at twenty-five point three six ounces, if you're pouring a six-ounce pour by the glass, and I'm paying ten dollars for your bottle of wine, I want to sell it for ten dollars a glass. So that first glass pays for the bottle, and then the other three glasses I pour are profit. So that gives you a twenty-five percent wine cost. Um, yeah, and I think the important thing to remember there is is that very rarely do you actually get does the restaurant actually get those other three glasses between you know I mean realistically giving someone a little taste of it or spillage right. or you know the end of the night when the bottle you know has half a glass in it and it sits overnight and doesn't get poured the next day. Uh, and bartenders are notorious for over pouring, okay. um, espe especially when you have people sitting in front. If you have a bar, you Excellent. have people sitting in front of you, and the the natural desire is to pour them a, a larger glass because they're going to be the people that are tipping you. Right. Um, so you want them right. to think that you're giving them a little bit something extra. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's always built-in models for for. Um, I mean, waste. I think I, I'm I'm saying that because I don't know that that consumers think about that. You know. Okay. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's there. I mean, well, and if you it's know. a esoteric wine, let's say you're pouring a trousseau gris or something by the glass that not a lot of people know, and um, maybe you pour two glasses out of it, and then that bottle sits for a couple days, and then you've got to dump it out. Right. Um, then you know the restaurant's got to eat that cost too. Yeah. Um, oh, running a restaurant is not an automatic money maker. Oh my God, there's no. there's very few people. The percentages are extremely low as to who can actually make a restaurant work and be successful financially. It's it, it's almost it's like yeah. the wine business. I mean, it's one of those things that you really got to figure out how to do it and make money because there's not a lot of people that are able to do it. And um, God bless the people who can. All right, guys. Well, what do you think? Um, next is week, it time? John? Yeah, it is time. We're we're at an hour. Okay. And uh, we've covered a lot of things. And like we say, please keep giving us feedback. We love it. Yeah, you know, I, I saw it. I looked on iTunes, and uh, someone last week gave us a nice review on there. And um, I don't oh, nice. recall their name right now. I apologize. But thank you very much. That really helps um, helps 
help more us. people find us. Believe me. And, and that's what it's all about is trying to spread the word and stuff. And that's why when you look at us on our social media and you're like, oh, my God, more retweets from the Winemaker podcast. No. <laughs> well, that's just because we're trying to get more people to listen. So we appreciate it. That's yeah. all. And we're trying. Well, so. and I've actually noticed an uptake in my um, Instagram um, followers, too. And more and more people yeah. taking notice. So play at, at Sonoma Wine Lover, hashtag Sonoma Wine Lover, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to uh, drink some Chenin Blanc this weekend, I encourage you to reach out to <laughs> danesellers.com. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're getting ready. I'm going to send out an email this weekend. We're going to have a end of the winter wine sale on Zinfandel and some Grenache. Okay. And then uh, and that'll make room for our Chenin uh, Blanc official release in uh, April, I guess. I can't wait. And and there's two things that I want. I mean, it's for sale now in the tasting room, but we're gonna right know, hoopla and get a band and maybe marching people. Uh, it, whatever you got to do, Bart. I, all I know is there's two wines that I want to see poured by the glass at Sante this spring, and one of them is your Chenin Blanc, and the other one is the Chambleau Rosé. If I can have those two wines on the list, you're so happy guy. Glass, I will be a super all happy right. guy. Perfect. Um, all right. All right. Well, Sam's not here. Week. Can Thanks. we just uh, do? Uh, we can. We can do. Uh, Sorry for Sam. He's sixteen six hundred. If you want to um, send him best wishes, or if you want to, um, his cold remedy. He's looking for cold and flu remedies. He <laughs> he kind of left a pile of used. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I don't want to touch it. No, He's got I'm, a pile of I'm going uh, to used. <laughs> I'm going to cough drops. We love you, Sam. I'm Hope you feel better. This. <laughs> napkin and wrap those and toss them and we're gonna spray so, some lysol all right in here too. everybody thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week